Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast has been brought to you by France and Bank and Trust. Hello again, I'm Jim Paulson of the Star Tribune, my colleague David Levesque for another episode of Talking Preps. They're in the midst of the, uh, the spring season. A lot happening, David. Um, there's a lot going on to, to talk about. What kind of things are you seeing that are really catching your eye in the world of preps right now? Uh, a lot of little things, a lot of fun things, a lot of uh, things that recognize accomplishments. Uh, and thank goodness for Twitter because they just, it makes it so much easier to follow a wider swath of, of action and programs. And so kudos to those that, that take interest in their programs and, and put things up on Twitter that, that, that are fun little notes because uh, you just never know what, what the, the, the big time newspapers will turn it into. So it's uh, uh, so Randolph uh, baseball and softball. Uh, apparently this was a tweet from four days ago by the, by the Randolph AD Aaron Sewell. He said that this is uh, this, this, uh, this, this was the second time there's been twice this season where the boys baseball and girls softball programs have posted no hitters on the same day. So that, that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool accomplishment. Uh, the fact that, that it's, it's not only one program, but two, and it's not just once, but twice. That's, that's pretty cool. Randolph, isn't that the, uh, the alma mater of uh, many time twin Caleb Thielbar, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly that, right. And the girls uh, softball team has had some pretty solid teams for the past couple of years. Um, I think they've made, a couple of state tournaments and had a, a real well, group of good players. Yeah, in 2018 and 2019, they went to state both years. The softball team did and finished third each time. So they were looking forward to 2020, at least getting to the championship game. And, of course, there wasn't a 2020 season. Good thing, though, for Randolph is that core that were so good as uh, eighth and ninth graders, they are predominantly seniors this year. And so – we have a season. They have a great core, a lot of expectations. I wrote about them for Tim Kolomainen's Breakdown Sports Media uh, preseason encyclopedia. And uh, they're, they're just, this is the year. I mean, they, this is the core. They, I mean, the, the battery. Um, they, you mentioned Caleb. Um, they think that the second best athlete, in, in, in the humble opinion of his uh, softball uh, coach, he thinks the second best athlete to come out of Randolph is his current kid. Uh, and her name is Megan Erickson. And uh, she is uh, a really strong player in multiple sports. Uh, she's a catcher in softball. And, and, uh, and uh, she, uh, in fact, I look here, she was, you know, the, the breakdown sports media highlights different kids. And she was uh, selected as Minnesota's top power hitter. So Megan Erickson is, uh, is a really, really strong part of that team. And, and uh, they have high expectations down to Randolph. You know, and, and I think that that breakdown you're talking about had Randolph ranked number one in class uh, class one A that season. So yeah, there's, you're definitely um, talking to the right people, and that's a, that's a, a really good program that they've uh, really developed on that Randolph. Just um, on the edge of what we consider to be the Twin Cities metro area, where we come our our coverage zone. They've gone right. back and forth. Sometimes we've <laughs> included them as. <laughs> Sometimes we haven't. Um, they probably. They, I, I think we can welcome them back into the fold uh, when they're good. You know, we're not above <laughs> saying that we'll embrace them as Metro when they're a really good team. Um, so good for Randolph. You know, speaking of a uh, good softball down in the southern part of the uh, fringe of the Metro down here, 
wrote a story, uh, Athlete of the Week, about a girl named uh, Elena Novak of uh, Tri-City United. Um, went out and had a terrific game. The first victory of the season for Tri-City in a game against at Mayor Lutheran. Three home runs, including back-to-back grand slams and 11 RBI in one game. And that they had lost their first six games of the season. That really jump-started them on a four-game winning streak. So um, can you imagine what kind of game that would be? I mean, you can never forget something like that. She wanted to talk an awful lot about winning the game for her team, and that's commendable. But, man, that's the type of thing that you talk about when you're 45, 50 years old and telling your kids, yeah, one game I hit two grand slams, 11 RBIs, three home runs. That's the type of thing that you never forget. Um, you remember your days as a, as a, as a big athletic, was your big athletic accomplishments, David? Uh, first of all, I want to know why they pitched to her in the second space is loaded <laughs> situation. I might've said, you know what? <laughs> we're just going to, we're just going to take the one run instead of possibly giving out multiple. And she hit a home run on the third at bat after that too. She'd already she's already had a four for four day. Came up with a wow. third at bat and hit a, and hit a third home run. So yeah, they weren't afraid to uh, to pitch to her, and uh, I guess that's commendable. But uh, I'm not sure I agree with the strategy. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. But since you asked, I don't know. I baseball. I, I made the East Twins Babe Ruth League the second year that I was eligible, and I hit a grand slam in a game actually. And uh, there was some controversy because it it was really hugging the foul line and uh, to the point where it, it drifted on, it, it, it wrapped around the foul pole uh, as it passed it by in, in right field. Um, so it was, it was good. Um, you know, it, was, it was exciting. I can still actually see it in my mind that the ball you know, leaving the field and unfortunately we lost, but it was still pretty cool to get all the one. Yeah. You know, that's the feeling you never forget. You know, it's uh, I can remember the same sort of thing for myself. I had a number of home runs when I was playing, youth league or, or little league baseball in Minneapolis because we never had fences. If you got it <laughs> by the outfield, it would just roll forever. You know what I mean? So, uh, but uh, as far as actually you know, a legitimate home run over the fence, uh, unless you haven't, if you haven't done it, it's, it's, it's everything that you never forget. Just getting a hold of a ball like that, that feels different when you, you hit the ball solidly. It just comes off the bats with such a, a sweet feeling, almost like, you you hardly feel it, so yeah. you never forget those types of things. You know who can relate to that with a golf club? Isabella McCauley. <laughs> nice yeah. segue, boy. That was, Thank you. You're Thank getting you. better at this. Thank <laughs> you. She uh, she's a great Simley golfer. She was a state champion back in 2009, way back in the good old days, 2019. <laughs> when, you know when you could show up to things and <laughs> we actually had a tournament. Yep. Yeah, so she won a state tournament as, um, God, I think she was a ninth grader that year and uh, set a, tied a record um, for, for uh, lowest score. Uh, well, she just qualified for the U.S. Women's Open. So suffice it to say, she did not peak as a ninth grader. She's a junior this year, and she's tearing it up and to the point of qualifying for the U.S. Women's Open, which is an outstanding accomplishment. Can I compare it to the state high school league state championship? I, that's, that's the question I have. The, you know, that's small potatoes. We talk about a high school league state championship. That's amazing. What is she a junior this year? And she's qualified for the U S women's open. That's, that's a pretty tremendous accomplishment right there. Yeah. And you know, anyone that's ever talked with her or been around her, just a great, great kid, easy kid to root for. Um, it, it's funny. The really great ones generally are that. And uh, she, Isabella is definitely in that camp. So good for her. She's going to, the, the U S women's open evidently is the early part of June. 
And then uh, it's about two weeks after that is the state, uh, the state meet, state tournament. Um, so she's, she, June is going to be a very memorable month for this young lady. I, I, you know, however she does at the U.S. Women's Open, she's there. That's the main thing. And then, you know, she's got to be the odds-on favorite to, to win the Class 3A title in, in golf once again. When is it, what do you have the exact dates of the U.S. Women's Open? They won't uh, conflict. Will June that? June third through sixth. I've I've seen on on, on the internet. Uh, if you can trust that thing. <laughs> yeah, and and the U.S. And the, the high school league state tournament is uh, is something I will look up. So do some kind of tap <laughs> do some kind of tap dancing for us, will you? Yeah, but uh, that's I mean the high school league does have um, rules against competing for your in your the similar sport during the season that you're competing in. I'm wondering if uh oh god don't throw cold water sort of ready. eligibility issues here. Um but uh if I if I'm Isabella McCauley and say you you're got another chance for high school league state tournament, I'd take the US Open, you know, eleven times out of ten. Obviously. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the opportunity of a lifetime right there. Not saying you, more opportunities at it. Yeah. June 15th and 16th, by the way, is your girls' golf and boys' golf, for that matters, the state championships. Hey, this is your producer, Paul Clauda, jumping in. I I, don't, I think Dave makes a good point there. And uh, when one of our other reporters, Ron Hagstrom, checked into the possible, yeah, how could she do both? It might be a conflict with sections with the U.S. Open in terms of the timing of sections. I don't want to swear to that, but um, there may be some potential issue with her not being able to play in sections if she's going to be playing in the U.S. Open. And I don't know, does that mean you can't get into the state tournament if you don't play sections? You guys are closer to yeah, that. Yeah, I think you have to qualify. You definitely have to qualify. That's, I don't think there's any way around that. You don't, I don't think you get granted a waiver for a state tournament. Um, even if it is a U.S. Open, I still think yeah. you have to follow the, the proper procedures and proper protocol. But again, you know, it's a, it's a, she's been in a state tournament. Did she win it as a, as a freshman? Um, uh, David, you know that better than I do, but uh, she's already. Yeah, I said, I said before, if she wanted as a freshman, set set a tighter record for lowest score. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm rooting for her no matter what she does. It'd be kind of cool. Hope we get a chance to see her. Hope she hope she makes it to TV. The the LPGA tour doesn't get quite the uh, coverage that the PGA does, but I've been uh, really watching a lot of golf lately. I'd like to see her playing uh, on television. That'd be kind of fun. Um, Absolutely. Speaking of uh, people in sports that I don't want to call them obscure, but in sports that don't have the highest profile, the Minneapolis Washburn boys tennis team is back at it again. In case you don't know, it's a tennis team that hasn't lost a uh, conference match in about a decade. They've won nine straight conference titles and they're, uh, I think they've just clinched another one this year. Um, It's a very good program and tennis in the, in the city has actually long been, quality tennis it's not what you would think in a city school minneapolis has turned off a lot of good tennis teams over the years so congratulations to that uh washburn boys tennis team coached by ryan hogue you might remember the name for a number of reasons he was a former gustavus adolphus football player and um he was uh, drafted i think i forget which year it was it wasn't uh as in the 90s um he was con- in 2003, I think he was drafted as, and, and earning him the title of Mr. Irrelevant, um, the, the final pick of the 2003 draft for the Oakland Raiders. He also, you might remember, um, was uh, uh, cast in one of the uh, um, seasons of The Bachelor. So 
He's had an awful lot, but but he's been the, the architect of this terrific run for the Washburn boys tennis team. Congratulations to the Millers there. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I'll put in a plug. I had a log earlier this week on the Preps Insider, StarTribune.com. Udana senior Haley Reek, uh, she's now the uh, program's leading scorer, uh, career leading scorer. She has, uh, she started this week with 165 goals. Uh, we had, did a Q&A with her. Another great kid to talk to. She's a Dinah's Athena Award winner this year. She's committed to play lacrosse at Louisville. Uh, my, fav- my favorite anecdote from her interview was you know, she set the record up in Buffalo. And uh, I said, well, what do you remember about that moment? She goes, well, there's, the Buffalo was great. They, they announced it over the PA and uh, the goalie came up to me and gave me the ball. And she goes, but I wasn't thinking. And I just threw the ball like, you know, 20 yards away toward the center <laughs> circle for the draw. So she, she had to apologize when she got back into her right mind. But uh, yeah, it's a kid that uh, grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, dad uh, went to the University of Minnesota, wanted to, to return to the Midwest. She came into this area as a seventh grader, Mady Dinah's varsity team as a seventh grader, and <clears throat> would go out as the uh, all time leading scorer. So, uh, you know, they're, and they got. You know, they beat Prior Lake to start the year, and Prior Lake's in their section. Prior Lake was uh, the 2019 state champion. So, Dinah's thinking, you know, maybe this is the year we could break through and get to state. So, good luck to the Hornets. Good luck to Haley. Uh, another another fantastic kid to talk to and, and uh, get to know a little bit. So, it's uh, good for her to have that record. With lacrosse being still relatively young in the state with uh, and not a ton of history, uh, that don't reside in Eden Prairie and Blake, at least in, on the girls' side. Does anybody have any idea? Are there any? I'd love to hear if anybody knows. Is there a, a state record for uh, scoring right now? Is anybody keeping that record book for lacrosse at the state high school league level or at the state at the high school level? I know uh, nothing that I was able to find. If there's, any, if there's anybody that knows of one that has act, that's actually listening to us, let us know. I'd love to know what the record for uh, career points is. Um, and it's glad to see that schools like Adina are actually keeping those records because they can be so difficult to monitor and so difficult to uh, to uh, keep track of. Um, well, I'll, I'll venture this, Jim. I think that the record holder may not come from a place you'd expect. Um, I think that even though Eden Prairie and Blake have, have been the predominant powers, you know, those, that's what, those are programs where sometimes you can't get in as early, uh, you know, as, as, as a ninth grader maybe, maybe yep. you have to wait until 10th grade. And then, you know, you're also on a team with a lot of weapons. And so the ball moves pretty well. And, and uh, you know, it could be somebody that, you know, is, is uh, I think uh, Hutchinson had a girl uh, a few years ago, tremendous scoring numbers because Hutchinson, you know, plays a schedule maybe that isn't quite as difficult as what an Edina and a Blake would face. And mm-hmm. you combine that with the talent of the player. And so it could be something like that where it's an, a bit of an outlier uh, program you wouldn't expect that has that record holder. But, yeah, it would be – it would be nice to, to explore where this number would be. Um, we do have a little bit of news coming up here. Uh, next week, the Minnesota State High School League Rep Assembly, the Representative Assembly, will meet on Tuesday, the 11th, uh, largely to decide the fates of two sports, um, boys volleyball and whether or not the high school league will sanction a girls wrestling state tournament. Um, both sports are have I've talked to um, people um, pushing for these fourths or pushing forth these ideas, um, and everybody is seeming positive because both of them have uh, 
a lot of support behind them. Wrestling for girls wrestling uh, is really growing in this state. Um, they already have a girls wrestling uh, uh, club state tournament. And for four years in a row now, they've actually named a Ms. Minnesota Wrestling uh, Award. And this year it was a, a senior from um, Martin County West named Katie Lang who won it. And, uh, but again, it's not sanctioned by the high school league. Um, the, the thing that's interesting about a potential girls wrestling uh, sanctioned by the high school league is that it's not for dual meets. It's not for a season. It's simply for a state tournament. You know, there's a lot of girls that are competing already on high school rosters. Um, I looked at the state tournament rosters uh, that just were held last month. And uh, even though there was only uh, semifinals, there are a number of girls listed on the rosters of some of these state uh, state qualifying teams. So girls wrestling is growing. Um, and what would happen in the state tournament is the girls would have the option of, of uh, designating whether they want to keep uh, wrestling with the boys team or whether they want to take from an individual standpoint, the option and the avenue of being a part of the girls state tournament. And they would kind of have the girls tournament coincide with the boys tournament. So using the same facilities at the same time frame. So I don't know that we've had any other sports that don't have a regular season, don't have a regular separate teams, but would have a state tournament. That's unique for, it would be unique for girl, girls wrestling. And with the number of, uh, of uh, girls that are wrestling these days, the numbers are continuing to grow. Minnesota is the last state in the five state area, uh, upper Midwest to, would be the last state to approve a girls wrestling state tournament. It sounds like that's already a done deal in North Dakota, South Dakota. Iowa and Wisconsin, so they're hoping to follow suit. So a lot of uh, girls wrestlers are will be following that vote next Tuesday pretty closely. Uh, the other one will be boys volleyball, which seemed like it was on the cusp of being approved by the Representative Assembly uh, 2019. I think they tabled it for one more year, and then COVID hit. I think everybody has been involved with boys volleyball. It was devastating because they were all ready to go. They they had 800 thousand kids that were competing last year they had 1200 kids 1200 boys that were prepared and ready to play the tournament when they uh, uh or their season when this covid hit and their season was canceled um they've like a lot of sports have had trouble getting everybody back but they still are looking at about 800 boys and about 41 teams that are back playing boys volleyball this year it's supported by none other than Hugh McCutcheon University of Minnesota women's volleyball coach who's been a, a large voice in this, as well as Walt Weaver, the uh, Hall of Fame girls volleyball coach. And he's had two uh, 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 volleyball supporters at Shakopee High School, Jenny Kilkelly and Krista Fleming, who have run this boys volleyball tournament, or this boys volleyball season um, impeccably and put so much time and effort into it. Um, the, the interesting side, side about this boys volleyball is that something they didn't realize when they started, but it's been uh, kind of a serendipitous um, discovery that boys volleyball appeals to a much more diverse um, community than expected. I guess one in three of the, of the boys volleyball players have a, uh, an ethnic background, largely Asian and Hmong and uh, Karen. Um, but it's really uh, has a lot of these boys, particularly uh, among immigrants, boys among uh, families on the east side of St. Paul and those areas that are gravitating towards volleyball and are looking at it as an opportunity to, to be included in what can happen at the high school level to, to have 
be connected to their school, I guess, is what one of the most important things that we're, I'm, I'm hearing. Um, so from a diversity angle, um, boys volleyball is, is uh, important. And not just the fact that it's a, a terrific sport and it's really growing. I think uh, uh, everyone's expecting boys volleyball to be uh, sanctioned by the high school league, but it's not a done deal yet. There are still some issues that people are concerned about. Um, the timing of it and obviously budget. Uh, we'll find out next Tuesday if boys volleyball will become sanctioned by the Minnesota State High School League. Um, there's a lot of people pulling for boys volleyball. As am I. I think volleyball is a, is a pretty terrific sport. I, I love the girls tournament. I think it's, it's time we have boys volleyball in this state. Yeah, I think what you mentioned about the, the, the diversity piece, and it, it actually, what, what struck me about boys volleyball, just when you think that everything is covered and, and opportunities abound for athletes, you think, well, who the hell are they going to get for volleyball? But here we are, and they get huge numbers. And then you start, like I said, tapping into the different demographics. I, I just, you know, whatever the, the strain that is created on gym space or, or budgets, I, I think that the investment outweighs any of that. They, they did a study. And they, they, the first year that they had boys volleyball in, I think, 2018, I think it was, 75% of the boys that were playing volleyball were not playing another sport. So it wasn't, remarkable. it wasn't taking away from any spring sports. That number has jumped up to almost 90% this year. That So wow. is an avenue for kids that are not connected with a spring sport to get out and do something, to feel connected, to feel included within their school. And that's kind of something that I, th I think is very important. And, and reaching out to communities that uh, are underserved um, by some of the high school league offerings. And baseball and lacrosse and golf and, and some of these other sports are largely... Uh, appealing to um, a certain type of kids to have volleyball, which is a, a well-known sport, um, be embraced by other communities is uh, I, I can't see anything wrong wrong with that. No, I think it's worth whatever whatever investment it is. It, it, it's value. I think outweighs the, the, the challenges to for putting it on. So hopefully the yeah. rep assembly will you know feel the same way, and there we'll have it. Yeah, and uh, there's, uh, you know, and uh, hopefully for Walt Weaver's say, uh, sake that they will pass it. He's put so much time into it, and I get the feeling that, that uh, uh, you know, I don't know if he can handle the stress of one more year of being rejected. <laughs> for Walt Weaver's sake, I, I'd say let's, uh, let's hopefully we get this thing passed. Good thing Walt doesn't try to head up the cause for shot clocks then. His heart, his heart would have given out a long time ago. Nobody is a bigger advocate for volleyball than Walt Weaver. There's, there's no doubt about that. I think that's about all we have to talk about. Uh, it's been uh, uh, fun. I'm glad we had a chance to recognize a few kids and a few sports we normally don't talk about. Um, Dave, thanks for being here. If you're listening, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week.